I was either going to get, it was either second or first, Ross. Well, and you know what yeah. that means, mate? A big payday. A big payday. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm going to get on tonight after dinner. Not after dinner, but after dinner time when I get the little bloke to bed. But I uh, had one yesterday, going to have one tomorrow. So a priming session tonight. And tomorrow's a, like a little TT type session. Nice. Yeah, I'm not, I don't ride TTs. I don't race TTs. I don't have a TT bike. But as part of my training, I'm doing a session which is a, around doing a, a 23K loop. And I do it twice as fast as I can. And I did it for three or four weeks, and now I've dropped it back to once to see if I can go deeper just for one lap. Yes. So it's about 45 minutes for me. Oh, mate, 40, 45 minutes, something like that. You? What about you? Did you get on today? Uh, indoors. Indoors because yep. just too fucking cold. <laughs> How cold was it where you live? Uh, minus, I think it was minus two or minus one this morning. <laughs> well, actually, it might have been minus three. Yeah, that's too cold. Um, mm. Lose feeling in the old fella, and um, <laughs> <laughs> you warm up late afternoon. Yeah, for sure, mate. You might recall a little while back. Now this is dating back quite a few episodes. We had a good discussion, a really in-depth discussion on the state of play for veterans in the peloton, for guys who'd been around for a while, who'd proven themselves. Absolutely no doubt they'd proven themselves at various times, but were seemingly being swapped by the new age of riders, the new kids on the block who were taking all before them, changing the way races are ridden. And we had a really in-depth look at a selection of guys. And it'd be I thought it'd be a good idea if we went back and had a bit of a look and see where these guys are at now, you know, yeah, after half a season, sure. see how they're tracking. So give me the list of these blokes so we know who we're talking about. Alejandro mm-hmm. Valverde, mm-hmm. Greg Van Avermaet, mm-hmm. Peter Sagan, Chris mm-hmm. Froome, Mm. Alia Viviani, mm. uh, Michal Kwiatkowski, and mm-hmm. G. Grant Thomas. So some pretty handy riders there, Scotty. Yeah, because when we mentioned them last year, I remember now, they had very quiet seasons, yeah. very quiet for their standards. Yeah. So, yeah, well, let's have a look at what they've been doing this year then. Yeah. Well, the first one off the top, Alejandro Valverde. Now, this mm. is pretty topical because the day we're taping this, in the last couple of days, Alejandro Valverde has won a stage of the Dauphiné um, in pretty mm. impressive fashion, it's got to be said. It was off the back of some pretty handy tactics from Movistar, which doesn't feel right to say that, <laughs> to be honest. They set it up really well and, and um, he finished off the work. So, yeah, I mean, not that we're saying he's having an assance at the age of, what is he, 40, is he 41? 41. 41. I'm not saying he's got another 10 years left in him, but... It's nice to see that there's a bit of life in the old dog yet. Yeah, because I can't remember the exact record, but he, I think he was a bit quiet last year for his standards. You know, he had a bit of a drop. But, yeah, like I went and had a look too. He won the GP Miguel Indurain, so GP Big Mig, we'll call it. He got first there. Fifth at Amstel, third at Flesh Wallon, fourth at Liège, and maybe he stuffed up the sprint. I don't know. We'd have to speak to him. And, like, so he's just one of the Dauphinés. So, bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> What do you reckon? Uh, what like what's a pass mark for him? You know, for the between now and the end of the season, not looking at specific races or anything. What do you reckon he's got to do where people go? Yep, yeah, he's still have a pretty good bloody year. 
if he can be in the mix for a stage win in a Grand Tour, yep. you would imagine that he's going to go to the Tour de France. If he can yep. be in the mix for a stage win there, I'm not sure if he's going to win one. Or in fact, I doubt that he will. But you never know. I mean, he's a crafty bastard. So mm. um, if he can be in the mix at, at some point there, I, I would say given the win in the Dauphiné, he was in the mix in one of the classics races. For a 41-year-old, you know, and we don't see, we're not privy to exactly what goes on behind closed doors and, um, you know, he's obviously a leader and a bit of a mentor to mm. some of the Movistar mm. riders. So yeah. as far as they're concerned, he may already be successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I reckon you're right. I reckon if he can get in the selection there, show his head, show his face to tour somewhere. And if he gets one to two more wins, it doesn't matter what level they are, one to two more wins for the rest of the season, which I reckon he could, yeah. then that'll be a pretty good year. Yeah, she cheat. him. Yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that. All right, who's next? GVA. What are your thoughts? GVA. From memory, we put it on him. Yeah, because he was nowhere. He was nowhere last year. Yeah. Uh, he didn't do much at all, and then he moved to AGR this year, yeah. and he was meant to be teaming up with Oliver Nason and also Bob Jungles. Therefore, we were watching him in the Spring Classics. And, yeah, he's in the last 20, in the last selection, you know, last 15, but he ain't been nowhere. He ain't been nowhere, unfortunately. So, yeah. Had a um, one good stage from memory at the Dauphiné. But I guess, you know, from his perspective, he still gets an opportunity to wear that beautiful gold helmet. That <laughs> <laughs> It's in its last sort of victory lap, really. Like, um, yeah. you know, there's going to be a new gold medalist this year. <laughs> Poor old Greg. He's <laughs> go back to regulation team colours. The ultimate dagger in the heart for that one for him is the fact that I've actually heard that he's really self-conscious about having to have the gold shit all, you know, lambasted all over him. He'd, he'd prefer it not to be the case. Yeah, here we are saying he loves it, you know. But, um, yeah, no, nah, fuck him. It's all right. That's our right. That's our right. Two yeah. blokes down the pub boasting. That's our right. Yeah. What has he got to do between now and, like, he'll go to the Tour de France, which he has been a good performer at the Tour de France over the years, overall. Yeah. He'll go there. I don't think he's got the legs to do anything at the Tour de France, to be honest. Uh, it just hasn't got that form. I don't know what the confidence is doing. What has he got to do between now and the end of the season where people go, well, all right, at least he's dug something out? This sounds harsh because he's won some really good races, but to be still relevant in the Peloton, I think he's got to win a race of some significance. Yeah, right. Otherwise, I think he's just you know merely making up numbers. I don't think he's a threat at all. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, that's a good call. I reckon he's got to at least make multiple final selections, you know. He's got to be in that last 20Ks, he's got to be in the last group of four or five. Yeah. He's got to do that multiple times. And if he's got to win, like you say, then that'd be great. He's got, like you say, he's got to show that he is a contender. Yeah. If he makes a break, make it a fair chance of winning because there's going to be opportunities to get into breaks. They'll let him get in then. Make it a legitimate one. Mm. Get a good look at yeah. it. Yeah. I actually haven't looked at all the races that are remaining, so it'll be interesting to see if there are some good opportunities for him parkours-wise. Mm. All right, who's next? Peter Sagan. Yeah, right. So last year we said he uh, he had one win, and that was that really huge win at the Giro where he finished in the rain. But he had come off, obviously, the COVID break. You know, he'd been quoted as saying he doesn't really get into the indoor riding like Swift or anything like that. So, mm. And so then we're like, well, what sort of training did he do? So that was where he's coming from, one win last season. This is a guy who wins at ease. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this year he's been sledged by his own team manager about whether he's worth his yes. salary. 
that was days before that was days before the um like Tour de Flanders. So don't tell me that wasn't deliberate by that manager. That's almost like I reckon that's a like a softening strategy to yeah. say when we don't re-sign him, it's sort of they've already planted the seed. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if that motivates Sagan or gets him shitty. So I don't mm. know. Anyway, so that's what uh, the manager said. Then there was talk about him, you know, quick step interested, but perhaps now they're not because apparently it's a big team deal. You know, yeah. they, he comes with a whole lot of um, other riders and staff members, so it's a yeah. big package deal. Yeah. But in that, he got fourth at Milan San Marino. Didn't win again, but still, you know, far out. He's extracted that out of himself. He got COVID yeah, this year. He, he, got, he got COVID, so he's come back, and then he's come back, and his first main, you know, he did some of the classics, but his first main thing where he got his fitness up, recovered from COVID, was the Giro. And he's won a sprint stage, a legitimate sprint stage. That was a quality win, wasn't it? It was a quality win because, yes, it was hilly before the sprint. It was hilly. So he used his team beautifully to drive it hard to get rid of some of the sprinters. But then he beat some legitimate sprinters and he hit 70, I think he hit 78 Ks an hour in that sprint. So it was serious horsepower. Yeah, Yeah, that was legit. So that's a good sign, like in terms of true sprint power, sprint Mm. speed, Mm. and then won the points Giro. And by the way, so there he's won another points jersey at the Giro. And uh, by the way, that lovely purple colour, what is it? What's the Italian word from it, mate? Uh, is it? Uh, Chicli- la- Chiclisma? Chicli- Chiclisma? Yeah, look on. Chicli- purple. Yeah. Call it purple. 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 Anyway, he's won that. So, yeah, and actually I just read today, he's only three days away from Sean Kelly's record of most days with the points jersey on his back. In a Grand, in Grand Tour. Tours, I think. Right. Yeah, so... Sean Kelly, mate, that's that's the company he's in now. Steamed. He's a gun. There's no question about that. And I think our knock on him or what we mm-hmm. were querying was, mm-hmm. given the fact that the vans are really staking the claim as being out now, superstars, which they are, and dictating yeah. terms yeah. in races, can he come to the party mm-hmm. and be relevant as well? Yeah. So I think he can, but it's not going to be in the way that he's normally done it. He might have to just reinvent himself just a little bit perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Which he's proven he can do. Yeah, and he's tactically smart enough to do it. It's like these guys at this stage, you know, they've done all they've gone and then they've been used to doing it in a certain way. And then they've got to, like you say, in the last part of their career, they've got to surge again, don't they? Both in the training, the quality of their training, the way they approach their tactics. Maybe they have to be more disciplined than ever before in their overall preparation. I don't know. Because the vans, they are gobbling up his races because, you know, hilly, hard, Uphill sprint, that's them all over. Mm, yep. They've got the fresher legs. So, yeah, I think he can. So what's a pass mark for him now? I mean, he's probably already passed, but what do we want or need from him for the rest of the season, do you think? Uh, a stage win at the Tour would be huge. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Well, wouldn't rule it out by any means, mm, but if he no. can be in the mix, top five for those sprint stages, those slightly uphill finishes, um, tick for me, and if there's a possibility that can be in it in Paris Roubaix, perhaps. Um, oh, I forgot about Roubaix. Yeah, yeah. it's coming. Shit. So, mate, there's opportunities there, but we know he's good enough. Mm. I'm not going to rule him out at all. Uh, I reckon a real good thing he could bank on could be um, the green jersey at the Tour de France. Mm. There's enough time to recover from the Giro. Confidence will be up from the fact that he's won it at the, the Giro. Enough time to recover, like four weeks or whatever. Remember they um, hamstringing yeah. last year, Scotty, with the placement of the intermediate sprints and they made it yeah. super hard for him to be able to do it the way he'd always done it? 
he really grappled with that. So it'd be interesting Didn't to he see. Also what get, he also get he got docked some points on that sprint where he sort of cut across Wout yes. Van Aert. Yeah. Again, I'm not an expert. I thought that was a little bit harsh, but mm. anyway, that's yeah. just me. I'm, again, I'm not an expert on the rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um. No, we're still on Sigan. Yeah. We're still on him. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, he's got the seven green jerseys there at the Tour de France. Remember, he got kicked out of the tour that time when Cavendish had the crash yes. into the barriers. Yeah which was absolutely 100% wrong, that the judges of that one fucked that up. Mm. So he probably would have had eight green jerseys. So anyway, I reckon he's a chance for the green jersey. And like you say, who know, and by that stage, maybe his legs are up and then Roubaix comes. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Mouth and maybe right. even GVA. You know, GVA can maybe get himself up and look at Roubaix, you know? Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, at least be, in, you know, somewhere in the, the selection, somewhere along the line. Yeah. Here's one for you, Scotty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Froome. Chris Froome. Oh, that's right. You asked me, I remember, you asked me, can Chris Froome make a podium in the Grand Tour? I said no, and you said, yeah, it's going to be tough. Well, obviously now it's not even a an ability thing. It seems to me that he still literally hasn't even got his function back in terms of his musculoskeletal function. So it's not about how fit he is, whether he's still got the motivation or the drive or he's as committed or he's fit enough or he's too heavy or whatever. He, he actually has – he's still getting the function back in his leg. So yeah. poor fucker got dropped in the Giro on a climbing stage. Sorry, the – Dauphiné, Criterium yeah. de Dauphiné. He got dropped there. So, um, yeah, no judgment on that. But, yeah, he's, obviously that accident was pretty horrific. The mind's willing, but the body's just not backing it up. And I read the other day where Garrett Thomas said, you have no idea how bad his injuries were. Like, they were mm. horrific. So no. it puts it into context, you know, how far back he's coming from. You know what? I thought about this one today, Ross, because I happened to think about Froomey because you know, mostly because of this recent stage in the Dauphiné where he was off the back and it wasn't even the last climb. He was spat out the back of the peloton. Take your mind back to 2002, Ross. Over in Bali in Indonesia, there was the bombings, right? Mm. And there was a lot of people who got killed by that bombing and other people got seriously burnt. And one of the people that got massive burns to his body was an AFL Australian rules footballer here in, in our country, Jason McCartney. And he got huge burns to his body. And I uh, remember he came back after that. He was able to get himself back up to the top level of football and play another game because he'd already played a whole lot of games and been a very good player for North Melbourne. Do you remember that? He came yeah. back and he had the like neoprene protective yeah. sort of suit on to protect his burns, his fragile skin, and he's come back and played the game. And then after the game, he's retired, right? Mm. So he knew it all along that he wasn't going to continue after. He just yeah. wanted to get back. Yeah. yeah, and he said in his post-game interview, he said, mate, I'm knackered. And that's just from yeah. getting up to play one game. Yeah. Could it go so long for Chris Froome that that could end up being his – you know, could that be his driving force that he wants to go out some level of achievement? A stage win, Scotty, something like that. Yeah, right. It's almost beyond him to win a grand. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, I just couldn't see it happening it's because it's been so long then between drinks. You know, yeah. everyone else has got way better too. So anyway, yeah. what would be a pass mark for Froomey? Do you reckon for this year? Be somewhat competitive in the Tour de France, I would have thought. Mm. Um, they can't make him the leader. On Israel, you know, you'd have to go for Mike Woods, who's more of a chance of winning a stage and being mm. in the mix and Dan Martin. They sort of, Martin probably won't ride it because he did Giro, but 
Mate, if he could be in the mix on a stage, that'd be huge. That'd be almost mm. like an achievement, I would have thought. Mm. Well, unfortunately, from my point of view, he's failed then because um, I don't think he can do that. I don't no. think he will be anywhere near it. And that's not a, that's not me having a go at him. That's more just the, way the reality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, here's how sport can work. We all know athletes who have had their career just snapped out of their hands. Um, a lot of athletes don't even get a chance to be great. He's got that. But I'm sure when he won four, he was so supremely confident that he could get five and then yeah. he could be in the five club, right? And then he fell off in, in the in the Roubaix stage of the tour, broke his arm, so that was that gone. And then, boom, since then that everything's happened. And don't forget, you know, when Wiggins won, he was riding for Wiggins and he was stronger than Wiggins up the Planche de Bell's climb, Planche, Planche de Bell's fee or whatever it is, climb. He could have had it that year, but, you know, that was the agreement and that was mm. his always his role and all that. And and But Froome was pushing the, you know, pushing the edge there because yeah. to the point where Wiggins was going to leave, he was going to walk out mid-tour and say, this is fucked, uh, you know, are we riding for me or not? <laughs> so Chris Froome was stronger than him, right? He was stronger strong, than him. Wasn't he, so he let it go for the next year and then it was his turn and that's when Wiggins sort of got a rude awakening that they're not going to go with him. It was like, um, you know, Bernard Hino and Greg Lamont, you know, <laughs> where Hino said, Ride for me this year, Greg, and I'll ride for you next year. So yeah, Greg yeah. goes, yeah, okay. We okay. can yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> so Lamont could have dropped Hino that year, but he didn't. And then the next year, Hino tried to stitch him up, yeah, stitch up Lamont. Backdoor him. Anyway, so Froomey, you know, he's won seven grand tours. He could be in the five uh, Tour de France club, but not quite and probably not likely. Elia Viviani. Mate, he's nowhere. He's got some thirds and some fourths, so he's been in the mix in sprints. Yeah. But I don't think he's had a win, and he only had one win last year, I think, and that these are the two seasons he's been with Cofidis since he left yeah. Quick Step. Yeah. So, yeah, far. Yeah, he's just, you know, we're talking about a guy who's not only won a whole lot of races on the road, he's Olympic gold medalist mm. on the track. So we're talking about a gun. Yeah. A guy who knows how to win Superstar. and he's used to winning. Yeah. 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 So surely he's got to win a couple of sprints before the season's out at any level of race. Oh, just show that you can win. It's about being able to cross that line first and having the sniff for it, isn't it? Just have that yeah. real taste, just that blood in the mouth sort of set up and have the kill. Obviously people leave Quick Step because they do well there and then Quick Step don't pay as much as other teams because they spread their salary and maybe the budget isn't as high, but also they spread the salary obviously across more riders most of the time. So he left then, then he's gone to Cofidus. So we got Cofidus on a big deal. I don't know. Would it have been a three-year deal? Do you know if it was two or three years, uh, Ross? Well, it's been three now, hasn't it? I think it's only this is only his second. Oh, that could second. be wrong. Yeah, okay. I don't know. So anyway, I just see him going to another team like, Further lower down, you know, his next deal unless something can change. Yeah, and we've spoken about sprinters, Scotty, how the opportunity, the window of opportunity is really small because the, the next wave is always coming through more so than any other highly skilled or, or particular yeah, skills yeah, yeah. set that you've got in the world tour. Um, yeah, the margins are so fine, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, if you don't take that opportunity when it's there, next yeah. thing you look around and fuck, yeah. <laughs> everyone's in front of you. That elixir, that combination of confidence, form, timing, flow, belief by your teammates in the lead out that are taking you there, the whole bit, all those little factors and how if other riders are looking at you because, you know, they're seeing you as a main dude. Yeah, 
Dylan Gronenwagen. It'll be fascinating to see where he gets to because yeah. remember, two tours ago, he, he won three stages at the Tour de France. His man, wasn't he? Yeah. So three or four or something like it's that. Almost so like anyway. Viviani needs a new team. Well, clean start, you lead out. Not sure you're winning a Cofferdus jersey anymore. I just don't think it happens enough. No, nah, no, I don't think they will. <laughs> they no. haven't won a stage at the Tour for ages. They're largely anyway. irrelevant, aren't they? Scotty, Mihal Kwiatkowski. Mm. Interesting what one, this one. Yeah, Look, go. He's so important for Ineos, particularly on a Grand Tour. He's almost like the road captain, the chief lieutenant of the climber. Um, he'll be last man or second to last bloke who will escort the GC man up the hill. He had a reasonable classics season. I reckon he was in the mix in a few areas. He just missed a couple of kicks here or there and, and missed some selections mm. that could have been pretty important for him. But I reckon he's got good legs. And with Richie Port this year, I reckon it just changes the dynamic a little bit yeah. in Quirkotsky's favour. So yeah. I think he's still relevant, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and I was thinking about him the other day, actually, and I was just wondering, yeah, what is his role there? Like, do they want him to be able to get some wins? And then also, does he want to be able to get some wins? I mean, I know every racer would love to be able to win, but is he expecting to be able to prepare to be able to get some wins on those one-day classics? Or is he just not, he just relaxed about that and just goes, well, I'm a super domestique yeah. and I just support the others now? Because even on the climbing, you know, a few years ago with Froomey, he was his number one man or second last climber on the hill. But now he also got other climbers as well. He slid down that list of critical last man climbers too. Yeah. Not that he can't, but maybe he doesn't need to. So I don't know. I, mean, I just don't know what they want out of him. You know, I know they want him as like exactly what you said, that road captain and sort of calling the shots and organising the team. But do they want him to be able to win some races? And does he want to? Mm. So that's what I, it's hard to evaluate, isn't it? I guess him and Carapace provided one of our highlights of the year last season. Yeah. They took that one-two in the stage of the tour. Like that was huge. Yeah. So he's still got the legs to do it. I guess his role, mm. if, and maybe if there's an opportunity to have a crack at a stage, you would think that he'd probably be content with that super domestic role and just going through mm. that. Yeah. So that links to the last bloke, doesn't it? Garrett Thomas, because if Thomas just has good form in the tour, then uh, Kwiatkowski doesn't get off the chain at all. But if Thomas, you know, loses massive time, then Kwiatkowski's let loose. Mm. Interesting, Thomas had a really good stage in like a real ballsy breakaway win at the Dauphiné. And mm. then I think it was the following night or more, two nights after, Gagenhart thought he was leading out Thomas up the climb. So there was a hill finish, not a super mm. steep one, but a hill finish, leading out Thomas. He looked around and Thomas wasn't there, he couldn't go with him. So mm. bad luck's followed him a little bit the last couple of years as well. So he crashed out of the Giro mm. last year and had a yeah. bit of bad luck. But you win a stage of the Dauphiné, you still got pretty good lead. So the last 10 years, 50% of the time, the winner of the Dauphiné has won the Tour. So it's only 50%. It's not as though, you know, like it's eight out of 10 times, you know, if you win the Dauphiné, you win the Tour. So 50%. And when he won the Tour, he won the Dauphiné. I wonder about his, you know, the legs. Like he got 15th in the time trial of the Dauphiné the other day. Mm. And I think you've got to have those type of legs if you're going to have the legs to climb in the Tour. You know what I mean? You've got to have a good time trial showing at the Dauphiné. At yeah. the very least. Yeah. Big jury out on the G, mm. I reckon, Scotty. I reckon his best hope is that he can hang for a bit and then maybe Pog or Rog just make a mistake or yeah. do, something happens and then and he can just hang in there with his fast race experience. Yeah, a bit of experience. And then he can yeah. sort of 
yeah, hold on to his matches and just use them wisely. I think Pog and Rog, they've got the leg. They're going to time trial better than everyone else. They're going to climb better than everyone else. They're by far the best. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I, I don't reckon Banal's anywhere near him either, by the way. So I reckon Thomas has got a – there's a good chance he can get in the podium, and that would yeah. be a good result. That will be a really good result. But then to be able to win or get second, I think, it, yeah, he's, some unexpected race happenings have to go his yeah. way a little bit, I reckon. I'd agree with that. Podium, really good effort. To win it, absolute one out of the box, or you've been fortunate mm. with someone's someone else's misfortune. Yeah, like three or four years ago, he could win it on his own legs, but now not so much for whatever reason. Hey, Scotty, at the start of this podcast, we were midway through a conversation about our own riding. Can you fill the listeners in, the half wheeling brethren? How's your riding been? You know, what have you been up to? What's what, how have you been tracking? Before we get into that, how many emails a week do you get from listeners about our writing? Like, is it thousands, thousands a week on what our writing's doing and how yeah. it's going? Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, well, from all great. over the world, that, including most yeah. recently, which has me a little bit worried. Not worried, mm. but I'm interested. Mm. Uh, Russia. Mm. We've got some listeners in Russia. Well, all I can say is get ready for a massive sponsorship backing from yeah. the oligarch. It's going to be great. <laughs> going to be great. Um, yeah, so that makes the fact that there's that vast interest, that makes this segment really important. Look, I think people enjoy listening to us talk about how we go about it and maybe trying to draw some comparisons with what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, We're certainly doing this with that in mind, like yeah, trying to present our own experiences in a way that helps other people yeah, make comparison or yeah. extract their own learning or whatever it is. Yeah, so my writing. So uh, last we spoke on it on the podcast was like November 18, so th- that was pretty much just at the start of the Criterium season, which I was preparing for. And I actually got sick going into that. I was like sick for three weeks. So my preparation was interrupted. So as a result, the first six races I did, basically in, before New Year's Eve, before Christmas, I did six races across, I don't know, say two or three months. And all of them, to me, felt really hard. I was actually quite surprised at how hard they felt. I was like, oh, why is it so fucking hard? Like, I'm actually more prepared this year than last year, and I'm racing at the same level. It feels hideous, you know? And I was listening to Mitch Docker talking on his podcast, and he said that one of the traps that he feels like riders sometimes fall into, and he himself falls into, is that when he does all his training, he can sort of fall into this false sense of security that on race day, it'll just happen because you've ticked up all the boxes in your preparation, done a beautiful preparation, you've hit your marks, you've hit your wattages and all that, and then you're right. But he had this recognition that you still got to bloody be on for the race and extract more out of yourself in the race. And that resonated with me in my own minor, tiny little way. I was like, shit, I've been doing that. I've actually gone into these races thinking they're going to be relatively easy because of all the training I've done compared to last year. And of course, they're going to feel hard because I'm expecting them to feel easy. So right at that moment, I had that realization. I reckon I got a little fitness kick up from the, the intensity period of building back up into the racing after I'd been sick. And also, I reckon, I think the next few races, uh, my power meter wasn't on in these races, so I couldn't get that data, but I think the race is a little bit um, little bit easier. So all those three factors allowed all of a sudden in my next four races to feel really um, quite comfortable. And I felt to the point where I could actually make some moves and try some things and I was starting to get some placings and all yeah. that. So yeah, I had these two phases, six really hard races, four quite good races. I don't know whether you included in your Palmares uh, victory that you had <laughs> on a Saturday morning in Wangaratta. 
That's right. So I came up to visit you, yeah. and we went on the famous Wangaratta BDA, uh, bunch ride on BDA racing BDA. Saturday morning bunch, which is um, bunch hotly contested. So a couple of climbs um, mm. leading into a ride back into town, the traditional sprint into town, um, which That's we reconned right. the night before. We did. We reconned it. And yep. had a real good hard look at the finishing straight, round the bend mm. into the straight. Yep. 250 and yeah, away you go. And we sort of pinpointed the exact point where I was going to drop you off. That's right. And yeah, on the day, uh, when we came out of the hills and back into the sort of home straight before the sprint, which is about, I don't know, 5Ks, is it? That yep. snow road? Yeah, about, about 5K, six, six or 7K, yeah. There was a bit of a uh, bit of a headwind. So I think, remember we were commenting to each other at the time, Ross, the bunch was a bit sort of cautious, you know, mm. they didn't want to blow themselves up. And you and I were saying, these guys are pathetic. Like, you know, this is ridiculous. Are these guys going to ride hard or not? And well, Yeah, you mentioned cautious, and they were anyway because we were wearing our half-wheeling jerseys and, you know, we're almost right. like, yeah, okay, what these guys are fitting today. So, that's right. you know, there's an element of I'm not sure we're really worthy of being in the same bunch. As it. I'm assuming this is the stuff that they were thinking. Yeah, yeah. So as a result, when it came time, you know, for you to drop me off as me being the allocated sprinter on the day, I mean, it could have been you, me leading you out, you leading me out. Like that's how even and prepared and, you know, excellent we are. When it came time to that drop-off spot where you were going to drop me off, you know, I guess the thing that you always want to hear as a lead-out man is from me is, is this the point where the sprint starts, Ross? (laughs) Is this it? That's what I remember. Is this it? And as I said to you, uh, yes, mm. it is. The term shot out of a cannon comes to mind. Yeah, so I had to because three guys had already jumped for the sprint <laughs> and then I had to weave my way through the pathetic stragglers of the bunch at that point because, they, again, they were not only tired and, and scared from the headwind, they, I don't know, they obviously weren't up to our level. So, you know, and some people said that I finished fourth behind those three guys, but I I sort of see it differently. I think, we, you know, I, there's about five bike lengths I got out in front. Yeah, so it was really satisfying that we could do that, Ross. Yeah, well, and it, look, it was always going to happen. Let's be honest. It was a fate accompli that we were going to get mm. the win, but it's always good when a plan comes together. It is. It is. So that was that was reasons for celebration at yeah. the coffee shop later. Absolutely. And the, the amount of people that came up to us, oh. the amount of people that came up to us yeah. after, like, it was like off the have you guys been practicing? Yeah, well, we did a little bit of yeah. practice, but, you know, it's just what, yeah. it's just how we, do, how we roll. Yeah, that's yeah. just how we do things. And finally, Ross, in my riding, on my last race, I, I got a second place. And then the very last race, coming into the last bend, we're about 250 metres go, so the sprint's about to launch. I went to shoot through a gap of two riders next to me. And as I was going through that gap, it closed on me and all of a sudden I crashed and um, I woke up, I was unconscious, woke up, people talking to me, I'm spaced out and then I'm getting put in an actual ambulance and I was taken to hospital and they were bloody monitoring my heart and all sorts of shit. Spent four days in hospital, so on this crash. So I don't need to nationally go into all of it right now, but yeah, I crashed. Um, it was a weird crash because on one hand it looked horrific. Apparently, I was told, yep. and the other hand, no one else came down. It was just me. Yeah. And then I spent four days in hospital, but in the end, nothing was really broken. Like I got a chipped tooth, but no spinal injury, no neck injury, no broken bones, no broken joints. So yeah, this is weird experience, but um, very lucky. Yeah, very lucky. Yep. Yeah, and oh, mate, the the, uh, the care I got at the hospital is incredible. At the Alfred Hospital, amazing. Bit disappointing though, Ross, because if I'd have got through that gap, if that gap hadn't closed so savagely, those guys went off their line a little bit. One of them, anyway. 
I was either going to get – it was either second or first, Ross, well, and you know what yeah. that means, mate? A big payday, a big payday. 50 bucks in the skyrocket. Oh, Let's yeah. go. Yeah, Let's go. Let's go. The milky bars are on me. <laughs> I do recall when I sort of heard about your misfortune and, and I was sort of checked in just to see how you were tracking, you know, obviously worried about your welfare. and You were filthy on not getting the win. <laughs> I was filthy. I said, mate, mate, that's irrelevant at this point. No, no, no. No, no, I would have. I definitely would have no, won no. it. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots of reasons, and you know, sprinting is my best sweet. way of winning You're at the a dead yeah. set racer, mate. Because the guy who won it, I know I'm faster than him. So it's like Jesus Christ, ah, ah, the frustration. Oh dear. Anyway, so that's where I got to, and then after that, but all good know, now, mate. You're back yeah. to out in the road yeah. and. Um, out in the road and doing some training and um, yeah. doing a bit of, again, I'm doing a bit of strength stuff, so low rev stuff. And then I'm doing this time trial session, which we mentioned uh, in the previous episode. So um, back into it. All good. Good on you. Mate. How about you, mate? From the last time we spoke uh, officially on a, on a podcast, I set myself all the peaks challenge, three peaks. And it was on a bit of a whim, to be honest with you, when I decided to do it. Something that I'd probably considered all along that you'd have to be almost a screw loose to take part in. Peaks Challenge, give us Peaks the numbers, give us the setup. Yep, so 235Ks in duration, so three peaks obviously, which are Tawonga Gap, this is in the Alpine High Country, Tawonga Gap, Mount Hotham and Falls Creek, the back of Falls Creek, which for those listeners who've done it, you know, it's not the most fun you'll ever have in your life, <laughs> particularly with 200Ks in your legs. For the day, is about 4,000 metres of climbing, so it's a pretty hefty 10 to 10 and a half hours on the bike. Mm. But it was an absolutely sensational event, Scotty. Mm. Superbly run and mm. a hell of an experience to be able mm. to compete in. Um, really super challenging. We were blessed with the weather we had. I know uh, the year before when it was run, the weather was absolutely putrid, similar to what it was at the Giro. Um, yeah. Cold, wet, raining. But, yeah, absolutely kissed on the dick with the weather that we had for this year's event. What date was it? Was it in May? It was in March, so early March. March, sorry, March. Um, At that point of the year in the Alpine high country can be a little bit fluky. not sure which way it's going to go, so we're really lucky in that sense. You know, I enjoyed it so much to the point where I think I'm going to do it again. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so that's sort of what I'm setting myself for for next year, so March next year, maybe a couple of little events along the way. But generally at the moment, keeping things indoors, as I alluded to at the start of the podcast, Mm. that – He's a little bit cold at the minute, so um, focusing more on indoors and actually doing a bit of a specified program online, which has been interesting. Yeah. I've never done anything that specific in terms of cycling training, so I'm finding that interesting. Yeah. It's like a 10 to 12-week program, so just sort of slow build, which is good. I think it'll be good to um, to see how it translates out on the road. Mm, yeah. This time last year, you had got yourself the trainer and you were doing much more indoor work than previous years, hadn't you? Or you hadn't yeah. done any really... So it'll be interesting, and that you really thought that helped you going into once the weather got better and you got outdoors again. It did. It gave you a real springboard, didn't it? It did, and it was interesting just listening to you talk about how sometimes when you think that automatically is going to translate to good form. And at the time, I think when I first went out of the road, I thought, hang on, my legs should be better than this. I've done a yeah. shitload of work. But you've obviously still got to apply yourself and put in the hard work yeah. to get there. So it does give you a good base, but it certainly doesn't guarantee you anything on the road. It just gives mm. you that good base. Yeah, yeah. Nice, mate. Good to be ticking the legs over, mate. It's good that we're yeah. both doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's always good when you're moving your legs on the bike. Mate, great to speak to you again. Good stuff, mate. Keep half wheel, Scotty.
Cheers, mate.